someone to be around you. Someone to sit down and pour you short But sometimes saying goodbye to familiar folks is the only way. Sometimes that's when you finally find your space. Welcome to the Japan Distilled Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Pellegrini, standing in my booze closet in Tokyo, Japan, and beaming in from his standing desk in Fukuoka is my co-host, Stephen Lyman. We're both certified shochu and awamori professionals, published authors, and we may actually drink more barley than we eat. We've been exploring the wonderful world of Japanese spirits for more than a decade, and we're extremely excited to share them with you through this podcast. Stephen, how are you doing? Doing well, as always, Christopher. Thank you. You know, preparing for this episode really brought back memories. The very first shochu I ever tried was made from barley. Not that I really understood what that meant at the time. Yeah, barley shochu. I, I think it was my first as well, though I can't remember the brand that I tried first. Do you remember which brand you had when you first tried it? Absolutely. It was Ichiko Silhouette. Which is oh, okay. in in Japan, it's the standard twenty five percent Ichiko you find everywhere. Overseas, it's bottled as Ichiko Silhouette. Although I don't believe it says the word Silhouette on the label. You learn that over time uh, when you go to trade shows and that sort of thing. Mm. It's a good one. That's very reliable. It is for nice, sure. Easy pour. Yeah. Um, well, this is the second in our planned four-part series on the predominant styles of honkak shochu, or what could probably be translated as authentic shochu in Japan. The previous episode was about rice shochu, which we believe was probably the first style of shochu ever made in Japan. Today, we're going to focus on barley shochu, which is the second most popular style when thinking about the amount of production, shipping, and consumption. But before we dive into these things, I just want to remind you that if you do enjoy the show, please, please, please download and subscribe to the Japan Distilled podcast on your preferred podcasting app, or you can head straight to our website and do the same over at japandistilled.com. And as always, ratings and reviews are extremely helpful to us, and it's absolutely going to help us to project this to more listeners around the world. So if you have a moment... Big high five for those who take the moment to do that for us. No question. And again, reading those reviews and getting that feedback, especially when people contact me through Twitter or Instagram and, and give me feedback and their thoughts on the show, what they'd like to hear about, what they're looking forward to. I mean, there are people out there looking for really, really deep dives into the fermentation process or where the cuts are made during distillation and that level of stuff, which we're really excited to get into down the road. But right now we're just laying the groundwork, right? We're we're sort of we're setting the foundation before we can start to dive into some of those really really geeky topics. Yeah, we're just we're kind of on the first floor right now. Let's let's get everybody in on the ground floor on barley shochu now. Works for me. We started with rice, and partly because we believe rice was the first style made, and partly because it's the simplest to understand because it's a hundred percent rice, right? It's koji. Mold, yeast, water, and rice. Now we take another step and we get to barley. It's still a grain, but it is not necessarily only made with barley. And this is a little bit different than, than how we might think of it. But as far as their 
how they express themselves, a rice shochu really expresses rice and a barley shochu really expresses barley. And if you try the two side by side, especially 100% barley shochu versus 100% rice shochu, they are going to express differently. And those differences are primarily the grains. Mm. But they're still grain-based shochu, which makes them very different from other styles, which we're going to talk about in future episodes. So, barley shochu can, of course, be 100% barley, right? But it can also be rice and barley, which is <laughs> one of the confusing things about shochu as a whole, that whatever type of shochu it's classified as on the label, it might it might say that it's a sweet potato shochu, for instance. But in reality, most of the time, sweet potato shochus are made with a rice starter mash. So that means the fermentation is part rice and part sweet potato. And that's, that's hard for a lot of people to get their heads around. That's right. And the same thing happens in barley shochu. Often you can have a rice starter fermentation, and then you're adding barley to the second fermentation. Mm -hmm. And this is a little bit clarified by the TTB labeling standards in the US. So the TTB, which is the new version of the ATF, basically, they don't recognize shochu as a category. Boo! Even though shochu is older than America. <laughs> yeah. But what they do require is that if you have what's called, uh, I believe it's, what is it? Distilled spirits specialty category product, which means it's unclassifiable, but it is distilled. Then you have to state on the label what it is made from. And so, when you see a sweet potato shochu in the States, it will almost always say spirits distilled from sweet potatoes and rice yep. or something like that. And they'll often helpfully say spirits distilled from 83% sweet potatoes and 17% rice. Mm -hmm. And that's typically how the labeling is done. And I think they're doing it because a larger part of the mash is the sweet potato as far as volume, but the rice actually comes into the fermentation first. Right. So, I often would have conversations with people and they'd see the label and say, oh, well, you said this is a sweet potato shochu, but it's got rice in it too. Mm -hmm. And of course it does. Yep. Because that's how you get your starter fermentation going is with a, a koji fermented grain. And it's really, really hard to grow koji on sweet potato. It does happen. And we'll talk about that in the next episode. But basically, you're going to start with a grain Koji grows really well in rice. It grows really well in barley. If you see a shochu in the States or overseas, it says 100% barley shochu, you know that started with a barley starter fermentation. And if it says made from barley and rice or from rice and barley, you can be reasonably assured that that started with a rice fermentation and then barley was added. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a, a rice shochu that started with a barley primary fermentation. Have you ever seen that before? Never heard of it. In fact, it I've just seen, came to mind. <laughs> yeah. I've seen barley starter sweet potato secondary. That's that I've seen. Some of yeah. the Tokyo shochus, the ones out in the islands are made that way, but right, right. the majority of barley shochu is 100% barley in, by, by production volume. But there is a very important tradition of rice starter fermentation, barley secondary fermentation that is made out on a tiny little island, a very well-respected style. And maybe, Stephen, you can get into some of the history here. Sure. It's actually in Nagasaki Prefecture, which is on the, I guess, the west coast of Kyushu Island would be the best way to describe where it is. And But the island itself is actually closer to Fukuoka, where I live, 
In fact, it's about 45 minutes by jet foil. So a jet engine hydrofoil, which exists in Japan, not just on the Jetsons, right? <laughs> That's a real boat. Um, by 45 minutes from Fukuoka to Iki Island, it's closer to Japan, but it's between uh, Japan and Korea. And the island is believed to be and claims to be the birthplace of barley shochu. The reason is quite simple, because as we mentioned on the last episode, rice was a taxable commodity. In fact, tax was paid in rice during the Edo era. So, the samurai didn't take kindly to peasants distilling their rice because it couldn't be counted. If they harvested their rice before the tax man came, but they turned some of it into hooch, they had no way of taxing it. So, the local samurai on Iki Island started cracking down on the peasants for turning their rice into alcohol. So, the peasants shifted gears and went to grains or to other grains. They went to barley and started making barley shochu. And it's believed that that was the first barley shochu made in Japan. And I can believe the story. As we talked about in the last episode, the peasants were probably making alcohol from lots of different things, anything they could get their hands on. Probably millet, probably other grains. Christopher, do you know other grains that were commonly grown in Japan back then? I know it's kind of a curveball that I'm throwing you, but in communicating with some food historians, it seems like rice, millet, and barley were the predominant grains being grown in Japan at the time. Yeah, wheat, and then also perhaps, and I'm really not sorry, sorghum? how long buckwheat, sorghum maybe, buckwheat, I think was also, was it not harvested back then? I'm going to geek out on you, but technically not a grain. Oh, all right. Yeah, fair <laughs> we'll talk that's about that. Cla- that's why it's that's why it's a, uh, its own. Um, it's listed in the ingredients separately. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we'll talk about that on the buckwheat episode, the soba episode. Um, but yeah, so I, I think you're right. I think probably rice, barley, wheat, millet, maybe sorghum, maybe. What about uh, oats? Were oats being grown in Japan? I think they might have been. Okay, so yeah, you had different grains, and any of these could have been used to make alcohol of various types. But uh, anyway, Iki Island samurai said no to rice shochu. Peasants shifted gears and started making barley shochu. Right. And this gave rise to the tradition of Iki shochu, which is, of course, a GI, a geographical indication protected by the WTO. In the last episode, we talked about Kuma rice shochu, which is also, in, it also enjoys that protection. And Iki shochu is the smallest of the shochu GIs in terms of the number of distilleries that are allowed to make it and the production volume that those distilleries are able to produce. Do we know if Iki shochu has always been made with rice koji? Did it, did it have some other starter fermentation? You mentioned many grains. You know, I don't think we know. I think the assumption, and I'm not sure where that history comes from, but the idea was that it was a rice starter and a barley secondary fermentation. That may have been what they were doing because, as we mentioned on the previous episode, we know from sake production that Japanese had been fermenting rice, creating a starter fermentation using rice, using koji for hundreds of years before distillation technology arrived. So, it would be a relatively easy step to start with that rice starter fermentation and then add a second ingredient, Mm -hmm. which is how many shochus are made today. But we don't know for sure how they were making it in Iki at that time, again, because the people who are doing it were not literate and weren't writing things down. 
Sure. At any rate, the GI protects barley shochu that is made with a rice starter fermentation, and there's a, a ratio in play that is prescribed. It's one part rice to two parts barley in terms of the volumes there. So that is how all of the Iki shochu, Iki barley shochu brands made on Iki Island are produced. And there are seven distilleries there. And this this little island that Stephen mentioned is not very far by a very fast boat from Hakata or, or downtown Fukuoka. It's a tiny little thing. <laughs> it's, it's really, really not small. that big. Yeah. And you can, I mean, I often joke that if you lie down on your stomach on a skateboard and kind of paddle your way down the main road, you'll have passed most of the distilleries within a few hours. And now that's a, that's a very fat, that's an obese overgeneralization, but it's not that far from the truth. I, I no, I, wager. It's, it's a little over 20 kilometers, at least by, by the way roads run from the North end to the South end. What's that? 12 miles. That's from top to bottom. Yeah. And it's uh, taller than it is wide, right? I, I, I'm oriented to north-south as being vertical, right? And, and east-west being horizontal, which I think most Westerners are. Not always the case in Japan when you look at a map. No, sometimes the <laughs> maps are flipped upside down when you're trying to figure out where you're going. <laughs> That's right. But so basically, it's a really, really small island. And you've got seven distilleries making this style, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Haven't been back for a while. It's often one of those places that if the seas kick up, you could get stranded there because they'll cancel the ferries. So you, you have to go at the right time of the year. And I've had a couple of really good visits there. And the, my first one was with a few of the makers got together and, and welcomed me and I was able to have dinner with them. And we we spent the entire evening in this izakaya trying to trick other tables into doing kanpais with us and saying, Ikijoju de kanpai. You know, we did, we must have done like 14 diff with different groups coming in because we didn't leave for a long time. We were just having fun. Oh, that is uh, fun. But they're really, they really work together. They, they like each other. It's a small community and they are trying very hard to promote the barley shochu that's coming off, out of that island. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. The first time I tried to go, it, it did get washed out. I, there was a typhoon coming and so they canceled the ferries and I ended up spending a couple extra days in Nagasaki City instead mm -hmm. just because I had nothing else to do. Uh, but when I did make it, I was able to visit, I think you know, over two days, I think I, could, I visited five of the seven. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's actually the only time I've been, which is a little bit criminal considering how close I live to Iki. You could see it from your <laughs> previous home, couldn't you? Probably if the building was facing the other way, it might have been a glimmer on the horizon. But I mean, I definitely need to get back. Mm -hmm. And I think you and I need to go together. Sure. And uh, it's a date. All right. Sounds good. Once once things open up again, let's get over to Iki and let's let's see some of our friends and try to trick the other tables into an Iki de Kampai. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So let's see. We've talked about Iki. And let's now talk about the more widely available style, which is the 100% barley. So starter and secondary fermentation, 100% barley is used to make it. You got koji, barley koji in the starter fermentation, and that's divided up into larger vats and regular steamed barley, not inoculated with koji spores. Steamed barley is added to the secondary fermentation. 
And you mentioned Ichiko before. Ichiko is the largest producer of that style. Absolutely. Yeah, so the 100% barley style is predominantly produced in northern Kyushu, here where I live. There's a little bit made in Saga Prefecture. Right. There's here in Fukuoka, there's quite a few makers, and then also in Oita Prefecture. And Oita is where the big boys are. That's where most, by volume, where most 100% barley shochu is made. Mm -hmm. And that really comes about through an interesting turn of events over, I guess, back in the late 60s, early 70s is when this innovation begins. And one thing that happens is uh, a tiny little maker down in Miyazaki Prefecture, Yanagita, which is still around today and still makes amazing barley shochu. Amazing barley shochu, yeah. Really, really great stuff. Uh, in the States, they have the Aokage brand, which is chocolate milk. <laughs> it's so chocolatey. It's, so it's really, really delicious. Uh, there's, but Yanagita teaches these. The, the the president at the time, the Toji at the time, teaches these folks from Oita, at, from Nikaido Distillery, which was incorporated in the 1800s, how to make 100% barley shochu. He basically just opens up his recipe, teaches them how to do it. They go back to Oita and they have a trick up their sleeve because in northern Kyushu, I believe it was at Kitaya Distillery in Fukuoka, they had built the first vacuum still. And Nikaido apparently was very good at getting information from other people because they started making vacuum distilled 100% barley shochu. And the Nikaido brand launched in 1974, and it was a huge, huge hit. Like, this brand just took off. It, it, it's such a light, clean, fresh, aromatic, I mean, but a, in a light, clean way. Mm -hmm. It's It's got... These 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 vacuum distilled hundred percent barley shochus have really really beautiful aromas, but they're so light and so clean compared to atmospheric distilled, as we talked about in the last episode. Right. Yeah. So today's leading producer is a company called Sanwa Shirui, and they make the entire lineup, the entire family of brands known as Ichiko, and that's I I C H I K O. And you've if you've been to a restaurant that has barley shochu outside of japan there's a you know, four times out of five five times out of six 98 out of 100 <laughs> yeah it might be yeah will be ichiko they're really working hard to develop new markets to educate new consumer bases and steven and i we both have a ton of respect for everything that they do they're innovative they they stick to the tradition with the things that work. They're trying to bring in new styles, new yeast strains, new barley strains, new fermentation techniques, and all of those sorts of things. But they are also 100% vacuum distilled as well. And you get all of those really light, easy aromas, a little bit of floral, a little bit of fruit, a little bit of bread, a little bit of nuttiness that plays really well on the rocks or in a Mizuari mix, which is little bit of cool water added to shochu on the rocks. Uh, Sanwa Shirui, I believe, was incorporated in the 1950s. I'm, 1958 sounds familiar to my brain. That's right. And the Ichiko brand dropped in 1979. So that was a good few years after Nikaido, but, but it followed in the footsteps and has since steadily overtaken Nikaido as the 
world leader in barley shoju production. That's right. In fact, for a long time, even in Japan, Ichiko was the number one shoju producer full stop for a number of years until Kuro Kirishima overtook them about a decade ago. That's right. Yeah, and, and they really did that, I think, through a couple of things. First of all, I mean, Nikaido did a great job. They started making 100% barley shochu vacuum distilled,、mm-hmm. which was a, a big leap forward in barley shochu technologically. Ichiko then took that and, and supercharged it. And how they did that was A, an incredible advertising campaign. They have had monthly posters. In train stations throughout Japan that are almost like Where's Waldo. They're these beautiful landscapes, these cityscapes, all of these different images that are really evocative of Japan and different parts of Japan. It'll be a river, a stream, a mountain, a valley, a forest, a temple, a shrine, like all of this amazing iconography. And somewhere in that photograph, and they're all photographs, there will be a bottle of Ichigo. And, and people stop and look at the poster and figure out where it is. And they've been doing this for, I mean, since 1979. It was part of the original launch and it's still going today. I think it's the same photographer. I think you're right. It's at least the same、uh, company, PR company,、yeah. right? That's doing, that's doing the work for them. And then the other thing that they did innovatively is they started blending. And as we talked about in the whiskey episodes, Japan doesn't have a history of trading barrels. For whiskey makers like the Scotch tradition or that sort of thing. And in shochu, there's even less collaboration、mm-hmm. typically. That's changing a little bit. We're on the forefront of a little bit of collaboration. Just barely. But what Ichigo started doing is they started making 100% barley shochu in a bunch of different ways. They'll make it with a high temperature fermentation, a low temperature fermentation, with this yeast, with that yeast. As Christopher was mentioning, all the different decisions you're making in the pr- production process. And Then they'll take some of it and put it in a barrel, and they'll take some of it and put it in a tank. And, and then they'll also they'll do vacuum. Most of it is vacuum, but they actually do some atmospheric distillation to give the drink a little bit more body. But you would be really hard pressed to know how many different、uh, base spirits were used to blend into the main brand、mm-hmm. or any of the other expressions. Because I think they make about If I'm remembering correctly, it's over 20 different base spirits are made. And then, depending on which of their products they are making, they blend in different proportions and different spirits. And th- so, I always like to call them the Johnny Walker of shochu because they are master blenders. Yep. Everything they make is just on point. Yeah, 100%. And they win a lot of awards too. They do a, a very, everything they touch is pretty much perfect. So, Lots of respect to them. They're one of those special large outfits that still makes shochu nerds pause and be like, okay, you guys are big, but I know that you care. So we're going we're gonna to definitely give you a shot. There's also a lot of other. This is Oita Prefecture, where Nikaido and Sanwa Shurui are, they call home. There are a, a bunch of other really good Mugi Joju. Mugi, M U G I, is the Japanese word for. Well, act, sorry, we take it to mean barley, but it actually can mean a few different things. It sometimes is mistakenly translated as wheat. Wheat is not generally used to make shoju because it has a lower starch content. Sorry, nerd alert. But、uh, other barley shoju makers, mugi makers in Oita that Stephen and I love are, for instance,、um, 
like Fuji Jozo with their mm. Taime expression is fantastic. That is 100% barley, but also 100% different from the Ichigo and Nikaido style. Yeah, 100% atmospheric distilled. Yeah, right? that's so true. It's just, it's just so deep and rich. Yeah. And another one that's in that vein, deep, rich, would be like Kanehachi, right? Yotsuya Shuzo's Kanehachi. If you can find it. I mean, that stuff is so popular. It's really, I, I would say, one of the maybe two most famous barley shochus in Japan. And if you, tr if you track down a bottle at a bottle shop, buy it. Mm -hmm. If you see it on the counter at an izakaya, drink it. Really, really great stuff. So, what's the other super famous barley shochu brand? It's got to be Hyakunen no Kuroku. Sure. Which, fortunately, is, has been exported. That's from Kuroki Honten in Miyazaki. And that's a barrel-aged 40% alcohol barley shochu that's just... It's, for me, it's what convinced me that you can barrel-age shochu and it still expresses as shochu, mm -hmm. right? This whole controversy about... If you put a grain-based shochu in a barrel, does it become whiskey? Controversy, debate, whatever we want to call it. Hyakunen no Kodoku, I believe it's aged for, what, eight, ten years? Is it that long? Am I, I misremembering that? No, I don't think it's quite that long, but I, I also don't know for sure, so I'm not going to say. Sure. I think somebody at one point had told me it was ten years old. That might have been misinformation. I don't think it is because it doesn't have quite as much oak on it as you would expect for something that's been in a barrel that long? No, not at all. It expresses so much barley, and yet it has that sweet vanilla of the oak. It's so well-made. Mm -hmm. So, definitely well-deserved is one of the top, uh, you know, most famous brands in Japan. And actually, the name Hyakunen no Kodoku means 100 years of solitude, and it was named after the Marquez novel. So, apparently big fans of magical realism. <laughs> There's... Also, show, I mean, barley shochu is not confined only to northern Kyushu, though, right? There's also some stuff from down south, no? Absolutely. It's, it's made all over Kyushu. It's made in other parts of Japan as well. I think it's a pretty common style. Even some of the rice shochu makers in Kumamoto will make a little barley on the side, right? Mm -hmm. They got extra extra fermentation time, so they, they, they make some barley shochu. They make it down in Kagoshima. We mentioned Miyazaki. I think it's made in all seven prefectures in... Kyushu. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, no, I know you are right. I am. 100% correct. Yeah. And then I believe there's some made in Hokkaido and other parts of Japan as well. So, yeah, very common style. And as Christopher said at the top of the show, it's the second most popular style. What is it? 20, 30% of the market at this point? Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's even above that. I think it's up close to 40. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention Mune Masa out of saga prefecture to the west of me here oh yeah 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 absolutely uh and so mizu shochu which uh, is a pretty well known export brand in the states is made in the iki style but it's made in saga prefecture so it doesn't qualify as an iki shochu but really really nice expression a little bit higher alcohol percentage uh because it's an export brand it's 35 percent rather than the usual 25 percent really nice uh easy drinking barley shochu. So, if you had to pick your favorite U.S. market barley, what else? I mean, well, maybe not your favorite, but what are some other ones that you think are are good mm. over there? In the States... I mean, Mizu's great. I like Mizu too. Yeah, Mizu's really, really nice. Uh, another 
easier to find a brand from Kuroki Honten down in Miyazaki who make Hyakunen no Kuroku is uh, Nakanaka. Oh, that's a good call. Right? And then Ichiko actually has several expressions in the States now beyond silhouette. They've also recently, what was about two years ago, they released Saiten. Yeah. The uh, 43% barley shochu. Uh, it's still blended, but it expresses much more barley. So I think the percentage of uh, atmospheric distilled spirit in that blend is is quite a bit higher. And that was really designed and intended for bartending, right? For cocktails. Yeah. And But you and I tasted through it several different ways and it expresses really, really well. So that's a that's another nice one. Yeah, that review is over on kampai.us, right? That's right. Yeah, we did have a, yeah. a review of that up there. Maybe we can link to that in the show notes. So, what's your home sipper for barley shochu? I'm guessing you're more of an atmospheric distilled type of barley fan, no? Well, yeah, I am. Although, I mean, the things that you and I like to drink, such as kanehachi, such as taimei, are so hard to find. They are. They're a pain in the ass to get. That... I really end up, if I'm drinking barley at home, it's it's usually a, a vacuum. And I'll explore the different distilleries around uh, Fukuoka. Uh, Nishi Yoshida, for example, down in, I guess, outside of Yame. They're not quite in Yame, but... Good stuff. Also available in the States. Yep. Yeah. Nishi Yoshida. Their Akjaku and Baku is an unfiltered barley shochu. It's just a umami bomb. That's really, really great stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they make the... Uh, Tsukushi brand, which is a mouthful because you got the TS at the beginning, right? But Tsukushi, uh, which I guess is an old name of the region where it's made, they've got white and black, Akchaku and Baku, and then got Kintaro, which is a roasted barley shochu, which we really haven't actually touched on, but barley doesn't have to be steamed to go in a barley shochu. So, the Kintaro is a really interesting expression. Are there any other roasted barley shochus that you are drawn to? Yeah, I mean, it's I like Mugi Hoka uh, from Tensei. Uh, down in Kagoshima, right? Yeah. That one's really good, surprisingly good, especially for a maker that specializes in sweet potato shochu. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you already said Aokage. That's not, yeah. that's not roasted, obviously, but it tastes like it's roasted because of the way that he tweaked his still, that madman. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, so that's that's Yanagita, who his father actually taught Nikaido how to make the 100% barley shochu. The current master brewer distiller is he's an engineer, so he basically hot rotted his still so that his direct injection steam jets inside of the still are on on swiveling nozzles. So he can turn them in different directions inside the still yeah. to create different spirits from the same fermentation right. or different expressions from the same fermentation. And to make Aokage, he points the jets directly at the side of the still and it caramelizes the barley fermentation, even though it's a uh, it's a steamed barley fermentation, because there's so much heat going between the metal of the wall of the still so and the great. ferment, it caramelizes and gives you the roasted flavors. Genius. Which is just wild. It's yeah, that's a that's a great one actually. I think that if I had to say what my home sipper is, are you drinking is, that one right now? Probably the one. What are you drinking right now? If I were to pick a specific, I am not. No. Oh, okay. I'm drinking my favorite, favorite, favorite Ichigo expression, which is Kuzan Tokushaku, and it's in one of the prettiest bottles in shochu. 
it's really, really lovely. And it's got this cool little mark at the bottom of the label that says Koji Project. Hmm. So I think they've been playing around with different Koji strains and that sort of thing. And it's it's a beautiful drink. I, I drink this soda. I sent a copy of my book to the to the president of Ichigo, mm-hmm. kind of as a thank you for all he'd done for me over the years. <laughs> and he thanked me by sending me a case. That's a pretty, yeah, that's a pretty <laughs> decent trade. I think I won your, that deal. On your part. Nice work. <laughs> Absolutely. How about you? You simping on something? I'm, I am. I'm sipping on, and it's another Ichigo expression, although it's not branded as Ichigo necessarily, the SG Shochu Mugi. Ah. expression, which is starting to, I think bartenders have gotten their hands on it in the States. It's being sent out for tasting to a lot of people. It's, and it's quite good. It's a blend of a bunch of things that each go had put together. They found the perfect mix. And now uh, Shingo Gokang uses it at a few of his different establishments to create shochu cocktails, which are incredibly expressive, incredibly varied and incredibly delicious. Oh, that's a great call. That's that's got more barrel in it than a lot of the Ichiko expressions, doesn't it? It's a, lot, a little bit more of the the barrel side. True. That's a good one. I did not expect you to be drinking that, though. I have to be honest. I thought you'd be in Oyuwadi land with with uh, something atmospheric. I I wanted to, but then I started recording this uh, this uh, podcast before I could get out and fill my kettle again, and I didn't want to <laughs> make noise, so I'm still standing in my closet. And how, how are you drinking that? I'm just drinking it straight, sipping it straight. Okay. That's probably yeah. a nice... I, I nice will pour... A, I'm going to pour some bubbles into it in a moment, but I didn't want to make people at home too, too thirsty when they hear the effervescence going wild. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. All right. Well, uh, good. I think this is that kind of wraps it up, doesn't it? I think we gave a pretty good introduction to Barley Shochu. Any final thoughts? Yeah, we covered a lot of ground and I think there are probably brands and makers that we missed and we'll cover them on future episodes, but there's a lot of it made. So, I wouldn't be surprised if there were things we didn't touch on that we love, but it's a really, really popular category. I think for Western drinkers especially, it's really approachable because we're used to drinking things made from barley, right? Between beer and whiskey, that's a lot of barley. It is. And so, I think my experience doing tastings and things in New York if I wasn't serving to like hardcore whiskey lovers or hardcore mezcal drinkers or that sort of thing, people were much more drawn to the barley expressions than they were to the other styles. And I think because of that familiarity, even if they didn't understand why, there was a little bit of a connection subconsciously because they tasted barley drinks before. I think that's fair. I think there's a lot of people out there who may be possibly just like us drink a whole lot more barley than they eat. Fair enough. Well, thank you all very much for listening. And if you're interested in learning more about barley shochu, then you definitely want to pick up a copy of Stephen's book, The Complete Guide to Japanese Drinks, which has a very nice overview in the shochu chapter of both the Iki style and the 100% barley style. It's available on Amazon as well as through your local bookseller. And if they don't carry it, then please tug on the ear and make them source it. We'd also like to remind you that we now have our weekly Japan Distilled Show Tuesday live streaming on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. It used to be on Instagram Live. We we migrated. That's 9 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday and 10 a.m. Japan time every Wednesday morning. Of course, that changes with daylight savings time, so please uh, 
check check the schedule on Facebook or on YouTube. You can find me at Chris Pellegrini on Twitter and at Christopher Pellegrini on Instagram. Uh, Stephen, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Japan Distilled on both Twitter and Instagram. Please reach out with any questions or with feedback about the show. Always love to hear from people. Always love to talk about these drinks. I think for additional reading, of course, you need to read Christopher's book if you have not already. The Shochu Handbook is available exclusively on Amazon. Lots of great content on barley shochu, how it's made, where it's made, who makes it, and lots of brand recommendations. And of course, for other brand recommendations or for reviews, you can check our site, kampai.us, which has lots of reviews of export brands, including, I think, most of the things from Ichiko. And Mm -hmm. yeah, dive in. It's, uh, It's a fun, fun expression. Well, welcome to Barley Shochu. Now go out and find something good to sip. Our theme song is Begin Anywhere by the very talented Tomoko Miyata. Our audio engineering is completely done in his home by the incomparable Rich Pav, who also edits the fantastic Uncanny Japan podcast with Teresa Matsuura. Please be sure to check that podcast out as well if you're interested in Japanese fables and ghost stories. Until next time, when we bring you our podcast about sweet potato shochu from Stephen in Fukuoka and myself in Tokyo, here's a very hearty and heartfelt kanpai. Kanpai. <laughs>